Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're in the beginning parts of the Sunday School series here of Psalm 119. And I am so excited to share with you and to go with you this psalm. As I had mentioned it last week, that Psalm 119, every verse of it, speaks about God's Word. And so most people will hear that and say, okay, all we're going to hear is read your Bible, read your Bible. Okay, great. God's Word is great. Yeah, yeah. And, but there's so much more into it. Because just like our Christian life, you can't live it without being in your Bible. And your Christian life is not just simply, well, I read my Bible, my Christian life is checkmarked for the day I could go do whatever I want. That when God's Word becomes a part of your life, it permeates every part of your life. It permeates how you think. It permeates and deals with how you respond. That God's Word becomes a lifestyle that you just don't read it like a book and then close it and say, I want another. It becomes something that becomes ingrained and becomes a part of you. And we're going to see that in this psalm here, in this section of the psalm. Remember that each section of the psalm is divided out according to the Hebrew alphabet. The very first section is Aleph. That is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And remember they're broken up into eight verses apiece. Let's look together in Psalm 119. Notice with me in starting at verse number 1. Psalm 119 in verse number 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. And I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I have learned of thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 119? Psalm 119 in verse 2, notice what God says in verse number 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Blessed are they that keepeth his testimony. And with the Lord's help, we're going to see this segment here with this idea that we're blessed when we learn to keep his testimonies. This first stanza of this psalm will show what happened in the life of those who make God's word the center of their life. Remember, it's going to change every part of it. And God says when we make God's word a part of our life, the central part of our life, that we are blessed. Now, some people use a cheap uh, synonym definition of, of happy, of um, of blessed, that they carry the idea that, oh, blessed means happy, so happy are they. But understand that words usually have a more fulfilled 
uh, definition, the word blessed carries the idea that we're happy because of the favor of God upon us. That's what the idea of blessed, that I can be happy because God's favor is upon me. I'm having a response to God's favor and I'm so thankful for it. So with that idea in mind, let's see this idea that they're blessed when they keep his testimonies. The first thing we want to show you in this psalm is we are blessed when we walk with the Lord. We are blessed when we walk with the Lord. Notice with me verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Notice this word way. The word way is found 13 times in this psalm. The word way suggests a course of conduct marked out by the word of God. So when the word of God directs us, it shows us the way. And it's almost like it shows us a path that's well marked and it shows us where to walk to. It shows us how to go. It shows us the next step. That when we learn to make the word of God our, our guide, it puts a clear marked path. It shows us the way. And I'm so thankful for that. Then it says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Now remember that as we walk in the Lord or as we walk in our life, we walk one of two ways. We either walk by faith or we walk by sight. That's either or. When you walk by sight, or walk by force, we could say it this way, you end up trying to force things to work. You guys have seen the illustration that we've used before. You could learn a lot of good illustrations from children's toys, right? For example, I could take a circle. And even though it's not made to fit into the square hole, I can make it fit. I could push it, shove it, manipulate it, whatever. And people walk through their life doing that. Pushing and shoving, forcing and fighting things to work. That they plan, oh yeah, I'm going to go tell the boss and I'm going to go force this to work. Oh, I don't like how this person's doing it. Oh yeah, well I'm going to bully them. I'm going to force them. I'm going to manipulate. I'm going to lie. I'm going to connive. I'm going to plan. I'm going to scheme. And they live their life doing that. And they find themselves becoming more and more frustrated because they feel like they always have to make things happen. They have to make things work. They have to try to connive and force. And that gets tiring after a while. The other way to live our life is by faith. And when we live our life by faith, we find that life is not dependent upon me, my intellect, my skills, my manipulation. That I can trust God to get his own work accomplished. And the Bible gives those principles all throughout. May I give just a simple uh, thing? Let's carry the idea of borrowing money between friends. I could lend someone some money because I'm his friend and I have the hope that he'll pay me back, but I should not bother him and bug him and whatever else to get my money back. The Bible actually says that. That's a biblical principle. Why? Because I could trust God to make things right. Can I trust God? Or do I feel like I have to badger him and knock on his door and send leg breakers or make him so he's miserable every time he sees me? He just, oh, come. That's not a way to live your life. 
you can trust God to make things right. Can you? Some people feel like I have to go to the boss and listen here, I got to give you a piece of my mind. Be careful about giving away a piece of your mind. You don't have too much to give away. But they feel like I have to just, I'm going to show him. I'm not going to take it no more. I can't. Why not cheat and talk to his boss? Talk to God. And God can do a better job of taking care of the situation than you forcing it to happen. Now, that's not being passive, by the way. It's being proactive, but understanding that God can do and take care of the situation a lot better than you can. My wife, can you imagine my poor wife? Not only am I her husband, I'm her pastor. I mean, that, that may sound good until you have to deal with me. And believe it or not, I'm not perfect and there are times that I'm wrong. And she may try to point out that I'm wrong and I may not listen. Imagine that, a husband not listening. But she could cheat and talk to my boss. And God could do a better job of fixing me than she ever can. You see, you either live your life one of two ways, by force, or you live your life by faith. And when we could trust in the Lord, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. We're thankful for it, that as we journey in our life, as we take God's Bible and take the principles found in God's word and we make it a part of us and he shows us the correct way to walk, we're blessed. We're happier because of the favor of God. And we find that we have a lot less resistance in our life. I didn't say less opposition. I said less resistance. We don't feel like we have to force things to happen. Or force people to see things the way that we see it. You know, it is an easier life to walk by faith. Off of the principles of God's word. Making that a part of our life. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and notice this, and seek him with the whole heart. Remember that walking with God is not simply doing the mechanics of doing what's right. It's a matter of our hearts desiring to be pleasing to our Lord. The goal is to be pleasing to the Lord and making our purpose of the life to be pleasing with the Lord. Now, everyone is designed to walk. Uh, that's what we are. We have a desire to learn to walk and we have to learn to walk. Watch a baby. As a baby starts growing up, they're not content to be stayed still. You guys remember those days, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not content for the rest of their life just to sit there. They want to move. And then they start learning to climb. Why? Because they're designed to move and to walk. And eventually they'll start taking the steps. And even if you don't encourage them, even though, they'll still try to take steps. And they're designed to walk. They learn to walk. A baby knows that laying and sitting down is not the position of a human being. We're to be walking. And it's to be upright. Now with that, we don't accidentally walk with the Lord. We don't accidentally follow the Lord. It is a purposeful and willful decision that we make. I'm making a decision. I'm going to walk with God. I'm making a decision. This is what I'm supposed to do. Now we know that the sin will keep us from the Bible. Or the Bible will keep us from sin. It's either one of those two things. A byproduct of seeking God's word is we're going to find ourselves not sinning. Notice verse 3. They also do no iniquity. Who's this they? 
they that seek him with a whole heart. This goes together. And seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You know, sometimes people have a wrong idea of the Christian life. They see the, the Christian life as a series of do's and don'ts. You can't do this and you can't enjoy this and you can't do this. And this is what you have to do and you have to do this and you have to do this. And in fact, the Christian life is the opposite of that. You see, I don't have these lists. No, no, no. If you have a desire to do what's right and to follow God, you'll automatically do what's right. Let me give you an example. I don't have a sign in my mirror at home that says, don't cheat on your wife today. Right? I don't have to be reminded that that's something I shouldn't do. Why don't I need a reminder? Because I love my wife. And it's not a temptation. I want to do what's right by her because I love her. I don't need the reminder. Well, if you love the Lord and you want to be pleasing to Him, you're not going to have to have a reminder to read your Bible. You're not going to have to have a reminder to go to church. And because you love the Lord, there are certain things I'm choosing not to put in my life because I want to be pleasing to Him. I can't hang out with God and enjoy a Metallica concert. Not, it doesn't work at the same time. I have to choose. And if I choose God, there are certain things I choose not to have in my life in order to have Him. But that's not because I have a list of do's and don'ts. It's because I chose God and to follow after Him. And I will automatically do what's right. Now that's freedom that we have. The Christian life is not a list to box us in. It's follow after God, follow after God. And guess what? You'll find yourself doing right as you're following after God. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? God has made it so our life is a simple life following by faith. That we don't have the frustrations and the forcing and the manipulation and the guard. It just feeling like I have to do this or else. I have to. No, it's, I have to follow after God. And I will do what's right if my whole heart is to follow after him. That makes the Christian life so simple to live. No wonder it says blessed are those that walk in the way. I'm so thankful that I could be happy because of the favor of God in my life when I choose just to follow after him. What else do we see in here? We see we are blessed when we keep his word. We are blessed when we keep his word. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number four. Thou has commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. The word precepts only occurs in Psalm 119. It carries the idea of taking charge. God's word is God's laws. It's not God's suggestions. They are God's laws. That means that God is in charge and he has declared to us. When we choose to obey God's word, it is also because we put God in his rightful place in our life to be in charge. Someone said that our life is like this. We are in a circle and God is with us in a circle. And there's one throne. And only one person could be in the throne. And so either God is on the throne and we're at his feet. Or we're on the throne and we expect God to be at our feet. The idea is who is in charge. We need to let God be in charge. And when God's in charge, we have the life that God desired us to live. God has told us this. Notice in verse 5. Now, the psalmist is a real person. 
And so we've talked about the practicality and we could all agree. I, there's no one who's going to disagree with me talking about that we should follow after God. There's no one that's going to disagree with me that says we need to obey God's commandments. There's no one in here I think that would disagree that said if we learn to follow after God that we're going to have the best life that God desires to live. But we also know that our heart is wicked and our flesh is, hates us. Notice in verse 5, we can see this struggle. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. You know, as a mortal, he understood how easy it is to walk away. He says, I have a real struggle. I know that's what I should do is to follow after God. But I know my own heart. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. That's the same struggle that I have. That's the same struggle you have. That's the same struggle the Apostle Paul had. In fact, would you mind turning with me to Romans chapter 7 as we could see Paul try to list this struggle? Romans chapter 7. We're coming back to Psalm 119, so don't lose your place. But Romans chapter 7. The whole chapter is good. And it's talking about this struggle. But notice with me as we turn to Romans chapter 7 and notice with me starting at verse 14. And you could see the struggle that the Apostle Paul had understanding, I want to do what's right. My flesh, I don't know, I just keep doing what I'm not supposed to do. We all understand that struggle. Verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. That's true. Following after God's law, that's a spiritual work. But I'm carnal. Oh, we could say amen right there. I know that God's word's right, but I'm carnal. Sold under sin. For that which I would do, I allow not. For that what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But for the evil which I would not, that I do. He's just repeating over and over. He says, I know what I'm supposed to do, but... I know I'm not supposed to lie. I don't understand, but I just lied. Man, I want to serve God. And then I find myself, why didn't you read your Bible today? You ever had that struggle? Yeah. Man, I want to, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to be so excited. I want to listen to it all. And then all of a sudden you find yourself dreaming and like, and then you walk out and said, why, why do I do that? I wanted to be there. And you have that struggle. Paul's same thing. Isn't it encouraging that we're on the same boat together? That when you read Psalm 19, 119, you're not reading about a super Christian. You're reading about someone who says, I'm putting this down because this is my struggle. And I'm trying to have that reminder of how important God's word is in my life. Notice as it goes on in verse number uh, uh, 21. If, if I then 
if I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present within me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my member. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I'm so thankful he added a verse here. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He says, Jesus is my only hope because this is my struggle. And so as we go back to Psalm 119, we could see the psalmist had the same thing in here. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep my statutes. He says, I just wrote about how I'm following after God is the way that I should go. When I follow after him, he, he puts a clear path. Then why in the world do I keep wandering off the path? I know that this is right. I know this is what I should do. My stupid flesh, though, hijacks the thing all the time. Are you sometimes surprised about your sin? Like, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? I knew better and I did it anyways. That's a real struggle. And Paul struggled with that too. Again, this is one of the reasons why the psalmist wrote Psalm 119. He says, I'm doing this because I need that constant reminder to follow after him. To follow after him. Notice again in verse... <coughs> Five, or sorry, so we see this idea here. There's one more thing I want to show you in the rest of the psalm. We're blessed because we won't be ashamed. We're blessed because we won't be ashamed. Notice with me in verse six. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. So a decision has to be made about following the Lord. And this is what the psalmist does. I know that my flesh wants to wander, but I'm still making the decision the best I know how. I am going to follow after God. And then when that decision is made, a wonderful thing is going to occur. We're not going to be ashamed for following after God. Well, what does this mean? It means that when we make a decision to follow the Lord and to keep it, we will not regret that decision for following after God. Now that word ashamed is an amazing word. Sometimes you could read it and go past it. But the, the word ashamed is an emotion. We can understand that. You know the Bible says a lot about this idea of not being ashamed. The Bible speaks about in Psalm 25 verse 2. That we will not be ashamed when we trust in God. Psalm 25 verse 3. It says, we'll not be ashamed when we wait on God. You know, sometimes we get so impatient. We want things to do it now. God says, listen, you're not going to be ashamed. You're not going to say, it was wasted time to wait for God. No, when God comes through, you said, it wasn't wasted time at all. It was amazing to watch God work. When you say, I'm not going to be ashamed when I trust in God. Listen, I trusted in God. And if you truly trusted in God, you're not going to be ashamed when it comes said done. No one's going to say, listen, I wasted my life in church. When you go face God, you're not going to say that at all. Listen, I wasted all my time reading the Bible. You're not going to say that at all when you get to the other side. Man, all that time in prayer, I could have been doing something else. You're not going to be saying that's wasted time when you stand before God. In fact, one of the... The old giants of the uh, 1900s 
was uh, Dr. Lee Robertson. Dr. Lee Robertson uh, set up um, Highland Park Baptist Church, set up uh, Tennessee Temple Baptist Schools, and he trained thousands and thousands of pastors and missionaries that went around the world that are still uh, pastoring and ministering even today. Towards the end of his life, and I'm so thankful I've got to spend time with Dr. Robertson at the end of his life, he was uh, (laughs) coming back from the funeral of his wife. And uh, Dr. Sexton, who was with him, was noticing... um, uh, Dr. Robertson looking outside uh, just kind of uh, kind of lost in his own thoughts. And Dr. Robertson said, or uh, um, Dr. Sexton said, uh, Sir, um, what, what, uh, what are you thinking about? And he said, I'm thinking about that I should have read my Bible more. I should have prayed more. And I should have trusted God for more. And Clarence Sexton said, listen, you did so much. Look at this and you've done this and you done He said, none of that, none of that. I should have read my Bible more. I should have prayed more. And I should have trusted God for more. You'll never be ashamed when you learn to follow after God. You'll never be ashamed for waiting on Him, for trusting in Him, for calling upon Him. Uh, Psalm 31, 7 talks about that I'll not be ashamed when I call upon Him. Psalm 34, verse 5 says, I'll not be ashamed when I look upon him. I'm so thankful that God says over and over, gives us those reminders that it's not wasted time. You are not going to regret following after God. You're not going to regret when you allow God to put that path that you walked on that path. That you're not going to come at the end of time when you're in the millennial kingdom facing God. You're not going to go, oh man, I just wasted that time. God says you'll not be ashamed. You're not going to regret it for those times that you spend in church. You're not going to regret any of that time that you spend in your Bible. You're not going to regret any of those times that you uh, claim those promises and trusted in those promises for God to work. You're not going to be ashamed. Isn't that a comfort? Isn't that great? Oh, that, that helps us to realize that at the end of this, it's not wasted time to be here this morning. It's not going to be wasted time to be in church on Sunday night or Wednesday night. It's not wasted time to take the time to read God's word and just spend with him. Oh, I'm so thankful that I don't have to be ashamed. That it says we are blessed because we're not going to be ashamed. Now notice it's not just following the commandments he enjoyed. (coughs) uh, Meaning it's not just following the commandments he enjoyed to follow or just following the ones that were convenient. Notice in verse 6. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. What does word all mean? All. All. That means we don't pick me, choose me. It's not a Burger King religion where you could have it your way. You say, well, this is what the Bible says. And this is what I'm going to believe. This is what God's word says. And this is what I'm going to do. And when I do that, when, I'm, when I follow all of God's commandments, I'm following what God's set out for me in a clear path, I'm not going to be ashamed at all. What a wonderful encouragement. Notice as it goes on in verse 7. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Now notice this. He says, when I shall have learned. Now the psalmist is not arrogant or proud in his determination to live a holy life. In fact, He says that I'm still 
learning. There are things I don't know about the Christian life. There are things I don't know about following after God. But when I learn them, I'm going to follow them. The word judgments here carries the idea of a legal decision. He says, I haven't learned all of God's judicial acts. I haven't learned of all of his final conclusions. I'm still learning. But when I'm in possession of those facts, I'm still determined that I'm going to praise God and I'm going to obey them. Now think about that. All of you are learning, including me. There are things that I do not know yet and there are things you don't know yet. He says, listen, if I am told something from God's word, and let's play a scenario here. Let's say that the pastor's preaching and he brings out something that you've never heard before, but it's clearly said in the Bible. He says, my first response is going to be praise God and I'm going to try to obey it. Instead of saying, whoa, I know that, that, that will just disrupt my whole life. Nope, nope. So understand that there's a determination that I'm going to thank God first and that I'm going to obey it even if it was something that I wasn't expecting or that I think is going to... I'm just going to say yes to what God said. That's a determination. Again, this is part of that decision. I'm going to walk with God. I'm not going to pick decisions and choose which ones I think is the best. And I like that one, but not that one. No, if it comes from God's word, I'm going to thank God and I'm going to do my best to obey it. Even with things I don't know about yet. When I know them, I'm just going to say yes to God. And I'm going to go forward and obey them the best I can. What a great determination that he had. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 8. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Even with this decision to obey God the best he could, he knew that there was a potential of him in failing like all of us. Again, he's recognizing I'm not a super Christian. I'm not a super Christian that as soon as I hear God's word, I'm automatically righteous and perfect. He says, no, I recognize that I have the potential of failing. God, if I do mess up, forsake me not utterly. With this, he also pleaded with the Lord not to forsake him if he messed up. Now, we're thankful that we have the rest of the story, as an old radio commentator said. What is the rest of the story? Well, notice with me, if you don't mind, in 1 John chapter 2. What happens if we mess up? Does God beat us over the head? Does, are we just forsaking our own salvation? Are we gone and over with? Does God write us off? 1 John chapter 2 answers this question when he says, Oh Lord, if I fail utterly, don't, don't, don't forsake me. What does God have to say in response to that? Notice with me 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Now notice it goes on. He says, and if any man sin. Now notice it doesn't say but. He says, these things I write unto you that you sin not. We would almost say but if you sin. He says no and if you sin. It's almost like he knows we're going to mess up. <laughs> he says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate, a lawyer with, with a father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Here's how it goes. That if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, you've also hired him as your lawyer, your advocate. And when the prosecutor, that old devil gets up and says, listen here, God, you want to know what he did? Jesus says, I object. That sin is already paid for. I paid it with my blood. I ask that the case be dismissed. Isn't that wonderful? 
And Satan could say, no, look, God, look at what they're doing right now. Catch them. Jesus says, I know he's a fool, but <laughs> I object. That, that sin has already been paid for. Paid for with my blood. But notice something else. As we've had the courtroom scene, we're the defendant. We have our advocate, the lawyer. We have the prosecutor. But we also know there's another person here, the judge. Notice the name of God in verse number 2. It says that we have, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, that not only is he our judge, but he's also our Father. And there's something about a father's love. I got a little bit of time. Let me show you this one last thing. Deuteronomy chapter 21, I think. Numbers 21. Nope, it's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 21. Some of you have heard me give this illustration before, but there's some of you who haven't, so let me show you this. Here it talks about the Jesus Christ... <laughs> in um, 1 John 2, 1, that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. By the way, that Jesus Christ the righteous is a title there, and it carries the idea of the perfect one. In the legal sense, it's the one who's never lost a case. I want him to be my lawyer, the one who's never lost a case. But it says that God is our Father, not just our judge, and there's something about a father's love. In Deuteronomy 21 and verse 18, here's a law that's in the books in the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy 21:18, if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of the father or the voice of his mother, that when they have chastened him, would not hearken to him, then shall his father and his mother lay a hold of him, bring him out to the elders of the city and to the gates of the place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And all of the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he shall die. So shall ye put evil from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. So here's a law in the books of Israel. That says that if a, a, a family has a son that's an adult son who's lazy, won't get a job, eats all their food, rebellious, fights back, doesn't do anything they say, that there's a legal precedent, legal law, that says they could bring him before the gates of the city, that's their courtroom, and bring him before the elders and say, here's our son. He's a drunkard, he's rebellious, he won't listen, we've tried to do everything, we've tried to discipline him correctly, he won't listen, and we could bring him before there, that under the sentence of this law, they could take the son out and stone him with stones. That's something that I've heard parents threaten their kids with. But in all of human history, the last 3,000 years since this law had been given, how many times in history do you think this law has ever been enacted? Zero. None. It's a law in the books. It's available to happen. But no one has ever done that. Why? There's something about a father's love. My son, I don't want to see punished. I don't want to see him killed. I'm not going to drag him out. Now, parents may feel like that time and time, but they're not going to do it. You understand? There's something about a father's love. And so that even though we have sinned, our lawyer has said that sin has been paid for. It's been covered with the blood our father says, my justice is satisfied. That sin has already been paid for. Case dismissed. There's something about a father's love. 
Now, that doesn't give me permission to sin. In fact, 1 John 2 says, These things I write unto you that you sin not. He says, The reason why I'm writing unto you is to encourage you to stop sinning. How am I going to get you to stop sinning? I'm letting you know that when you do sin, you have an advocate who goes with the Father and the case is going to be dismissed. When you think about that, that, you, that, that sin has been paid for that you just committed, it should make you have a desire to sin less and less because you recognize how much your Father loved you and what you've been forgiven of. And you shouldn't have a desire to do more of that. I'm so thankful that the psalmist had an answer to that, that if I mess up, Lord, please don't forsake me utterly. He responds in the New Testament and says, I won't. If you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. Something about a Father's love. Now, all that should do is encourage us to even walk more in the way that God has set for us. And that as we do, we're not going to be ashamed. We're going to be blessed people. What a wonderful God that we have. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.